This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And this is it, folks, the finale of our four-part All-Star Break series. As we said kind of on Sunday when we were wrapping up the first half, our goal was to fill the void of the lack of Cubs games over these few days for the All-Star Break and just give you as much Cubs-related content, as the name of the podcast is supposed to imply, as we possibly can. So this is, uh, I, I guess we did take one day off, Brendan. We were we were kind of lazy here in terms of just not dropping content one day. This is, as we said on the last episode, going to be pretty much just a continuation of the conversation we were having yesterday, uh, which was kind of just looking back at the first half, going over the position players and, and where everybody was and, you know, making sure that we were taking time to stop and say, like, here's the guys that are having really good performances, you know, especially the way the second half or first half ended for the Cubs, uh, you know, with being under 500 in June, starting July the same way. It sometimes is easy to lose sight of, you know, just how good some of these guys have been and where they rank in, in the overall levels of Major League Baseball. And, and you know, as we are at the All-Star break, you know, some of them, you know, deserve to kind of be uh, applauded and some of them not applauded for their performances. So a good time to just kind of check in and, you know, get everybody ready to go here for the second half. So, Brendan, today we're going to be finishing that discussion and just talking about this pitching staff as a whole. And it's it's been a bit of a roller coaster for this this pitching staff as a whole. Certainly, the bullpen. Uh, I think we find ourselves in a bit of a different place, certainly than we did in those kind of first few series here, especially with the bullpen. Obviously, with the rotation, you've got Kyle Hendricks coming back recently. And Cole Hamels on the injured list with the strained oblique, but the reports are pretty positive there. Tommy Hadovy saying that he feels pretty good, that that progress is coming along, so hopefully definitely not as lengthy as we thought it would be. But Brendan, I think that, you know, let's let's start with the starting staff, and, and on the whole, as we sit here, you know, ready to come out of this All-Star break, 
what's just your your general sentiment on this starting group? Uh, obviously, you know we've seen some some different names get in there. Had Adbert Alzali get get in there and and get a couple of starts. But where are you just on on the overall performance of, of this pitching staff? When when you think back to spring training and, and getting ready for the season here, have they lived up to your expectations? Exceeded those expectations? Not met that, those expectations? Where are you here? My main concern going into this year was the pitching staff's age and whether or not Lester would continue to lose velocity, whether Hamels can repeat what he was doing uh, during the second half with the Cubs last season. And for the most part, everyone's been status quo other than you, Darvish. Even Quintana, for the most part of the season, has been better than I expected. You throw in Adbert Alzolai and hopefully you get some more depth with Montgomery's improved performance. And the staff in general looks pretty good. I'm not really throwing my angst at the rotation at all. Yeah, I, I think that this is about where I expected this group to be. I, I think my catchphrase over the offseason was I thought that this rotation had a high floor. And I think for the most part, that's what we've seen. I think, uh, you know, for the better part of these games, the pitching staff uh, and the starters in particular have kept this team in the game, given them a chance to win. There, There's obviously been some blow-ups uh, along the way for pretty much each of these guys. But in general, those have been few and far between. And I think on most nights, you feel pretty good that the starter is not going to lose them the game. And, and that's pretty much what I was expecting from this group. But just to look at it from a statistical perspective, the ERA leader for the starters on this team is one Cole Hamels, who sits at 2.98. And he is tied with Kyle Hendricks in terms of wins above replacement, if you would prefer to look at that stat. Though Hendricks comes in at second on the ERA leaderboard at 3.49. Third on the ERA leaderboard is Yaboy, number 34, the lefty John Lester, who sits at 3.72. And Jose Quintana is at 4.19, and Yu Darvish is at 5.01. In terms of wins above replacement, the order's slightly different. Uh, Quintana comes at third ahead of Lester. He's thrown about one more start's worth of innings, uh, and Lester at fourth. Yu Darvish is fifth in terms of guys in the rotation. So that's kind of the lay of the statistical land as it relates uh, to the starters and I don't know that anything is particularly surprising there. I mean, I think seeing Hendricks and Hamels having overall uh, the the top seasons here in this group, kind of about where where you would expect them to be with, with John and Q in the middle, and I think I would be lying if I said I was surprised that you, Darvish, was at the bottom of this list, uh, because I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed. Oh, I'm a little surprised, actually. I thought, I, th- I think at the very least, he thought, He's going to have an ERA close to four. So, yeah, I am surprised about you, Darvish. I think a lot of his uh, lackluster performances last season, you never know, may have been haunted by his injuries. So I, I am surprised about Darvish. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was certainly hopeful, and I, I think maybe, I guess, a little surprised that it, it it has not gone any better than this. But 
I, I, I think at this point, I, I'm, you know, just sort of resigned to you take what you get and, and we'll live day by day. But I, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not really surprised in it on the whole, especially just that, that these other guys are outperforming him. I think, you know, they've all just proven to be at least more reliable than that. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me. But, you know, hopefully he's in a, a different spot, I guess, uh, as, as the second half goes on. I think you know you're getting a an overall uh, a very good season from John Lester. There was obviously that stretch there where you know he just had some really not good starts. The command was not there. Um, but I, you know I think overall to in this portion of his contract at this point in his career to you know have him at eight and six. Uh, he's thrown 94 innings. He did deal with an injury earlier in the year, and uh, you know a 3.72 ERA, a 4.16 FIP. So you know for for someone who we've kind of always heard in the last few years that he's getting lucky or this that and the other, which Brendan and I talk about a lot, uh, sort of in refuting that. But you know he's he's you know he's kind of close there. So you know you kind of feel like this is the season he should be having. And again, I think the key for him is that on, on most days, he's going to go out there. He's going to give you a good performance. He's going to definitely keep the offense in the game and produce a winnable outing for the Cubs. And I think that he has done that more often than not. So I think a good start from from this pitching staff. We saw Kyle Hendricks, uh, you know, at one point here, go on a, a really incredible run. So I think you feel pretty good, you know, as he has had a couple starts here to work back from that shoulder injury, build up that strength, get, you know, back into uh, lengthened out as fully as you want him. I think, you know, you can kind of expect a, a big second half from him, kind of get on another one of those runs. And, you know, we don't have an exact timeline on Hamels, but like I said, Tommy Hadovy seems pretty optimistic that, you know, he, as he's working through his rehab here, that he feels good uh, and that this is not as serious as I think we all feared initially. And, you know, you just hope that you can get him back. He's been incredible for this team when he's been in a Cubs uniform. He's been incredible in 2019 uh, prior to the injury. And, you know, you hope that he can stay in that form when he comes back because he has been a real weapon for this team uh, and someone who I think you feel very, very comfortable handing the ball to every fifth day for this rotation. So I think overall, you feel pretty good about this group. I think that at times you has shown those flashes of something, you know, that, that, you know, why we signed him in the first place, right? Like you see those flashes. We go back to that start at Dodger Stadium a lot. Uh, He's got great stuff. And when he's on, he can be really, really good, top of the league level good. And, you know, I think that uh, you just have to be hopeful that they they can harness some of the good stuff that he did. Obviously, you know, you have this break here, and I'm sure that Tommy Hadovy and the staff are, are digging into some of this stuff and, and looking back on what went well and what didn't. And hope that he can tap into that a little more because obviously that would be a huge lift for this team for him to, you know, just have a big second half. And and I think uh, that would be really wonderful. But are you hopeful? No, like I said, I, I honestly, I'm not. I, I mean, it, it's not to necessarily uh, not believe in the guy or anything, but you know, we've just seen such inconsistency from him that I, I think it's at this point um, not good for my mental health to but I to yeah. expect that. I just I, I I know it's in there, right? We've seen it. I know it's in there. And I and I, I I do believe that it is possible that he comes out and just shoves in the second half. But I think to be sitting here expecting it, I, I just don't think is a good idea personally. 
Well, it's been two tales for you, Darvish, where he struggled because of his inconsistent command, and he struggled because he's giving up too many home runs. So either he's walking too many guys, or he's giving up too many home runs, or two different ways he's failed. But I think the way he's progressed this season with his command, the first stage of that failure is behind him, where now he's locating his fastball, and he's still striking out guys. Now, the next stage for him to improve is limiting some of those meatballs right down the middle. His grooved rate for his fastball is almost three times higher right now than it usually is in his career, and that's because maybe he's just trying to get the ball over the plate. Who knows? I have no explanation for that, but I think Deep down inside, I do have hope, Corey. I I really do. I know some of the stats right now don't suggest that he can get there. He's pitched 140 innings in his Cubs career, 97 of those innings this year. And the overall numbers are what they are. He has a strikeout rate of around 10.5 batters per nine. His walk rate is a little over 4.5 batters per nine innings as well. And he's giving up home runs in 20% of his fly balls given up. That's double the league average rate. So there's two ways to look at this, but I think what's giving me more a little bit more confidence is his track record, his stuff, his, I think, noticeably improved comfort level with his team. And I'm not saying I'm expecting Darvish to go out there and shove and, and pitch like he was with the Dodgers and the Rangers in 2017 and 2016, but I do think it's in there. And I do think there is reason to hope that he can come out and prove that he can get to that point because the real issue that I had with Darvish was the command in the first six to seven starts. It's not that big of an issue right now, I think. And because of that going forward, the next step for him is to just tighten up and and, and decrease those meatballs. If that happens, then yes, I do think we can get that, that elite uh, level type production from Darvish, where his ERA and his FIP start to look a little around three to three and a half. But, you know, another guy that I, I do want to point out who I, th- I think has been pretty good on the whole is Jose Quintana. I, I think he gets, uh, look, his his performance is going to be tied to Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease Forever. for the rest of his career. There's no getting around that, right? And if you want to relitigate that every time Jimenez hits a home run or strikes out or Quintana pitches well or pitches poorly— that is certainly your prerogative, but I'm not going to do that, right? The trade happened. Quintana was very valuable to this team in 2017 and winning the division and beating the Nationals in the playoffs. And those guys on the White Sox uh, have started their major league career this year. I, it just is not something I, I choose to relitigate every time. But I do think that he is kind of impacted by that from a a criticism standpoint, unfairly, right? Like, I think he's been pretty good for this team. You look at his game log, and there are, like with other guys, a couple of blowups. And that doesn't, to, to remove them, doesn't say like, oh, well, if you just remove the couple times he gave up eight runs, then it looks really good, right? Because he did give up eight runs. You can't just throw them in the garbage. But I do think like you look at his start against the Mets, he gives up eight earned runs. A start against Cincinnati at the end of May, he gives up five earned runs. And then his second start of the year against Milwaukee, he gives up eight earned runs. Outside of that, when you look at the game log, you know, there is an awful lot of starts where it's zero runs, two runs, three runs. 
And again, like I go back to, he's giving, he has pitched the most innings, uh, you know, on this team so far on the year uh, from the, from a pitching perspective at 101 innings. And he's given you a lot of good starts. He's given you a lot of starts where, you know, with, with a, a, with an offense like the Cubs should have, you should be winning a pretty good chunk of those games. So I, I think again, like, you know, is he the player, is he the pitcher that, some people wanted when you traded uh, prospects like Jimenez and Cease. Maybe not, but is he a, a a good, productive member of this pitching staff that they would have had to find elsewhere? Absolutely, and I and I think that sometimes he is uh, held to a a very high standard that again is partially fair, but. I don't think it should lead us to acting like he's not contributing a lot to this team and, you know, being a, a productive member of this staff. If you look at his numbers prior to that start against the Mets, where he gives up eight runs in four and a third inning, you know, he came into that game with a 3.87 ERA. And since then, he's tossed six innings of shutout baseball against the Reds and seven innings of three-run baseball against the Pirates. Like, those are good outings. And, and I think more often than not, he's given you pretty good outings. So I, I, do, I did just want to take a second to highlight him a little bit because I think the, the the standard that he's held to, fair or otherwise, is different than how we look at the rest of this rotation. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go. Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. The appealing parts of Q's game this year has been that command, where his walk rate is around two and a half batters per nine innings, whereas in 2018, it was a little over three and a half. So it's a little, it's, it's, it's different. He's noticeably different, more fine-tuned, more sharp, and I can appreciate that. One of my main concerns with Q is his whiff rate is gradually getting worse and worse. And whether that's because he's attacking his own more, who knows, but that's just the way it works. And that is giving me a little bit of angst, I think, going into the second half. Because if he can't get those whiffs, and we've seen the effects of that recently, his pitch count goes up, he gives them more runs, the bullpen is exposed, and there's a trickle-down effect on subsequent days. And that's one of the things with Q is once he gets to two strikes, he's having issues putting batters away. Where in 2017, his Strikeout rate per nine innings, Corey, was over 10 with the Cubs. That's a lot. That's really high. Right now, it's around seven. So it's noticeably different. So I think there's two ways to look at Q. You can be excited about his improved command. He has contributed. He has 1.8 Fangraphs war. He's on pace to be a three and a half to four win pitcher, which is exceptionally good in this era where FIP and ERA, the average right now is 4.5 in the league. It's way different than when it, when what it was when the Cubs acquired Quintana two years ago. Should be highlighted, I think. Overall, he's been good. 
Now, I'm not going to compare him to Eloy Jimenez because psychologically that's unhealthy for me. But I will say going into the second half, the one issue I do have with Q, and I'm not saying it's completely distracting me from his performance, but it's nevertheless that whiff rate. I am a little concerned over the long course of the season what that is going to do to his overall numbers. I'm not saying that's justifiable, but I think at times we've seen the consequence of that. And I, I'm more curious to see if he can survive getting as few whiffs, but at the same time, not walking that many batters, how that plays out in the long course of the season. I, I feel pretty good about this rotation. And I think especially if you were looking at heading toward the playoffs, like in condensing the group down, I feel even better about it. I, I think that this group... Who are you most confident about? If you had to pick one of those five guys for the rest of the season or like if we're talking about the playoffs? Yeah, and the rest of the season. If you had to pick one guy where you know I have zero concerns about him, don't have to worry about him whatsoever, who's that one guy? I mean, I think it's Hendricks, probably. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it, it would be Hamels if he were healthy. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I think of all people, I, I know what John Lester is at this point, and I know what is like a reasonable bar to be holding him at, uh, and I expect him to be very good. But I, I think that Hendricks is just someone that, has shown and has that potential at this point in his career to be that top, top guy. And without knowing exactly when Hamels is going to come back, I think that guy is Hendricks. Um, So if we were talking about who am I most confident in the playoffs, I'm giving the ball to John Lester until they pry it out of my cold, (laughs) dead hands. So uh, I will take John Lester in the playoffs over anybody. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think Hendricks looked as if he was healthy when he came back. That was my biggest source of anxiety, but his numbers this year, Corey, are insane. I mean, he's he's walking only 1.8 batters per nine innings. That would be the best mark of his entire Cubs career in one season if that continues. And he's still getting whiffs. He's still striking out eight guys per innings per nine innings as well. So I think there's an argument to be made that this is the best he's looked since 2016, and that should give fans and it should give. A lot of our listeners, a huge boost of confidence. And as far as Lester goes, I think this is who he is. And I'm I'm cool with that. If, if anything, that's exceeding my expectations. I was worried going into the year with his age, with his little bit of injuries here and there. He has a bone spur in his elbow. I was concerned how he would hold up. He's looked great. Every single start for the most part has been classic John Lester. He's looking healthy. And I think, again, with Hendricks, with Lester, you get to the playoffs, flip a coin. And if if one of those guys ends up being the game one starter, sign me up. I'm cool with that. Let's go to the bullpen. And we've talked a lot about this bullpen. This has been one of the, I mean, honestly, like most litigated topics I can remember in since we've been doing the podcast. But it, it, it started at the beginning of the offseason, and it really hasn't stopped. Brendan. It, it is a, a runaway freight yeah, train of, of this discussion about the bullpen and, and some of these guys individually. Uh, but just looking at you know where some of these guys are, uh, if you're looking at the if you're looking at war, wins above replacement, and I think you guys know this by now, but we are an F war family here at, at, at the Cubs related <laughs> podcast, not a B war. Uh, baseball prospectus has some weird stuff that I think goes into some of their stats. The, the the level that they value pitch framing at is way too much for me. But anyway, we're an F4 yeah. family here. So if you were curious, um, if you were looking just at, at wins above replacement, the, the most valuable uh, 
relievers on this team who are actually numbers five through eight on the overall leaderboard with you Darvish coming in at nine. That's never a good thing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Steve Ciszek comes in at number five, number one for relievers. Kyle Ryan coming in at number six, number two for all relievers. Brandon Kinsler and Brad Brock actually round out that group. Uh, obviously, Brock getting a lot of innings here, so he's been able to uh, accumulate more wins above replacement. Not really the best way to look at relievers, uh, but if we are looking in terms of ERA, uh, Brandon Kinsler actually right now sits at a 1.98 ERA, Steve Ciszek at 2.75, Kyle Ryan 3.48. Just to clarify why I mentioned that note on Brad Brock, uh, he has a 6.11 ERA, so while he's been able to accumulate some war because he's thrown 35 innings, uh, not the best performance. FIP around 3.77, so you can kind of put those two numbers together as you will. Pedro Strope obviously missed some time, uh, so he's a little lower on that war list, but he's got a 3.92 ERA and 20.2 innings. And, you know, then you kind of get into this rotating group that we've seen. That, that That's kind of the group that has been up there and, and active. Uh, and then you get into the kind of rotating band of, of members on the Iowa shuttle. And then, of course, Craig Kimbrell, who enters the fold uh, just recently here. So that is kind of where the bullpen has been. We have seen an awful lot of guys get their opportunities here. You know, just to read some of the names, we've seen guys like Rowan Wick, Randy Rosario, Dylan Maples, James Norwood, Tim Collins, Carl Edwards Jr., Xavier Cedeno, Tony Barnett, Alan Webster, Tyler Chatwood, Mike Montgomery, there's a lot of guys that have been in this bullpen. I don't even know if that's all of them. Uh, we've also seen, uh, you know, just because this is how it comes out on the list here, we've seen some position players pitch. Um, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> oddly enough, as it stands, Daniel Descalso, also a sub-replacement level pitcher, uh, though I won't get on him as much for that performance. We've seen He's Victor more Caratini. valuable as a pitcher than he is a hitter, though. Worth noting. Oh man, I, that's, I know. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I just threw up into the microphone. <laughs> I got to clean up. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the lay uh, of the bullpen land, and I, I think that we have been pretty clear that I, I think if you were to boil this group down right now to we're in a playoff game and we are only using the the top guys, we are going to those guys first. And we'll deal with everybody else if we have to. I think this bullpen is in a pretty good spot. Um, I, I think that when you have Kimbrel at the top there as the closer, Strope for the eighth inning, Ciszek being you know either that seventh inning guy or coming in earlier if you need him to put out a fire, which we've seen Joe do once Kimbrel was added to the fold. Uh, Kyle Ryan ha- has been, I think, a nice surprise. And, and Brandon Kinsler has been very good for the entire season for the Cubs, getting a lot of ground balls, getting a lot of double plays. I, I think if you were focused on... On only that group, Brendan, I think you would feel pretty confident uh, about how they were able to handle the game, whether they were able to shorten the game and and, and shut down a lead uh, if the Cubs had one in, in a tight game. I think that, you know, where obviously we've kind of seen the problems for this bullpen. Earlier in the year, you had guys, I think, being put into situations that you just don't want them in. And, you know, a couple names that have come up, you know, Kyle Ryan and Brandon Kinsler have been good for this team overall uh, in in their roles and and what Joe has asked of them. But, you know, are they the type of guys you want out there in the eighth and ninth inning of one-run games, high-leverage situations, pitching to, say, the middle of the Dodgers order, 
maybe not, right? And, you know, now that you have Kimbrel, you have Strope back and healthy, you're able to put guys in more of that position. And I think I feel pretty confident in that. And we have heard, uh, similarly, as we talked about on, on the first half of this episode with the position players, with Ben Zobris, we've heard this front office at least sound a little and I caution that very highly, a little more optimistic that Brandon Morrow may get himself involved here at some point. And I have no idea what that would look like. It is a total fool's errand to expect that to happen at this point. Um, but you, if you're able to do that, if we're talking again just about big games, like a game you have to win down the stretch, uh, you know, a game in the playoffs, etc., then you're looking at, okay, now not only do I feel good about this bullpen, but I feel fantastic about this bullpen. If we can ever get to a point, even if it's just for a few games down the stretch of the playoffs, if you can get to a point where you're able to have Kimbrel, Morrow, Ciszek, Strope at the back end of that bullpen, giddy up, right? I don't, I don't care yeah. what the starters do, like just go to the bullpen. That's how good that group would then have the potential to be. But I think where we're at, I feel pretty good about it. And you're going to continue to see this, this rotating list. Carl Edwards Jr. is working his way back. You know, we, we've seen Sedeno uh, kind of trying to get in there, Barnett trying to get in there. So it's it's going to be a continuing rotating group. So I guess I throw it to you, Brendan. Do you, do you agree that we're at least in a different place than we were at, at the beginning of the year when I think that the outright panic about this bullpen was at an all-time high? And where are you kind of sitting as we head towards this trade deadline? I think if you would ask people in April, you know, obviously prior to Craig Kimbrell coming on, and when Carl Edwards was getting sent down, they were blowing every other game. You know, I think people would have thought at the deadline when we get there, the Cubs are going to be buying up relievers. We're in another position where we're going to have to go out and give up prospects or something for top end relievers. Are, are you in a different place? Would you still like to see them do that? Where are you here with, with the Chicago Cubs bullpen? We need one more lefty. That's all you need. I think one more situational lefty. Montgomery has not been that guy. Kyle Ryan's been good this year. Like you said, the 3.48 ERA. Maybe he ends up being that guy. But I think to give this sense of confidence completely for the bullpen, you need that situational loogie. So that's probably where my focus is for an acquisition. I'm not going to lose my mind if they don't end up getting that guy. And to be honest with you, I'd rather the Cubs not go out and dive deep into their prospect pool to get that guy. I'm just, I'm over it. I'm scarred by the Justin Wilson trade. Isaac Paredes is going off the Tigers right now. John Candelario has been, you know, basically average to below league average, but I'm done going and getting that specialist and giving up prospects to do that. So I'm over that. I will say the the correct Campbell signing, of course, gives you more confidence, but that's still not the major driving factor why I do feel more confident about this bullpen. And the reasons being are one, I think there's a lot of uh, things to be excited about with, with Kinsler, 1.98 ERA, as you said. He's surprised me. I was really harsh on Kinsler going into the season. Did not like the fact the Cubs traded for him and picked up his $5 million salary. Did not like that. And in addition to Kinsler, you look down the list. I'm cool with Rowan Wick getting more opportunities. If it were up to me, he'd be replacing um, Brad Brock right now. But unfortunately, that's just not the way it's going. And you get Carl Edwards Jr. back in the mix. He's looked decent when he's been healthy. Uh, command has been better when he's healthy. 
the bullpen looks good. So there's a lot to be excited about with the bullpen, not just because you went out and got Craig Kimbrell, but now you can utilize Steve Cizek, maybe a little bit less, preserve him, utilize Strope in different situations, maybe not even as your eighth inning guy. Maybe he goes in the sixth or seventh inning in a fireman stop type role. And you go into the Iowa roster, you bring up Rowan Wick, we saw Randy Rosario, maybe James Norwood comes back, Dylan Maples, and all of a sudden, the depth that we were so desperately wanting eight weeks ago is now there because guys have taken the next step and proven they can be part of this team. And I don't think any of us thought Kyle Ryan would be a significant uh, contributor this year. 31 innings, Corey. He's pitched 31 innings. His K per nine is 9.3. No one thought that would be a, a, a realistic expectation for him. Even Kinsler, 36 innings. No one thought he would have a 1.98 ERA. And Rowan Wick was not on this team going into the offseason last year. New guy. Looked pretty good in his seven innings. So there's reasons to be, I think, confident going into the second half. So much that I don't think going out and getting another guy outside the organization of the trade deadline is necessary anymore. And to be honest, I'd rather use those resources to go out and shore up that outfield. Get not only just one outfielder, maybe, but maybe two. So yeah, the bullpen has stepped up in a big time way. And I think after that disaster first few weeks, almost a best case scenario, what we're seeing. Certainly, I don't. I think, especially in in today's game, uh, where offense is kind of reaching new levels, home runs are flying out at, at record paces. I don't think you ever feel bad about adding more pitching, right? I think you'd always take it. Uh, but I, I do think that we've kind of moved a little bit from where the Cubs' 2019 positional needs are. And, you know, I think you would be comfortable if, if this was the group you were going forward with. But like I said, I mean, I don't think you're ever going to complain at more pitching, maybe a little more power joining this group and, and just this overall pitching staff. But one, one question I, I do have for you here is, is as, as we head forward here and, and you get toward the deadline, do you do you see them sticking with both Chatwood and Montgomery? I, I've pretty much this whole season thought yeah. at some point this was like a, a a situation that just was not going to last, where you have two guys uh, who are stretched out, you know, can eat up some innings for you, maybe make a spot start. But especially when the bullpen was struggling in the early portion of the season, it's always hard to carry multiple guys like this, right? Especially for a considerable amount of time. And while Cole Hamels is out, and right now Alzali is back in the minors, you know, it certainly is a is an asset to have. But it does just seem if if this pitching staff was operating at full health and full strength it uh, will eventually seemingly get hard to keep both of these guys in the position that they're in. Montgomery, oh man, like it's it sucks to see him perform this badly because it was just one year ago when he had a decent season, right? 19 starts, 38 total outings, 3.99 ERA. So it'd be hard for me to cut bait with them, but it goes back to our discussion about urgency and production over talent. And there's not many more opportunities the Cubs can waste trying to get these guys right. I'm not advocating for a DFA or, or whatever with Montgomery, but I do think the question should at least be considered when you have Alzali performing the way he is and you have Rowan Wick performing the way he is. And especially given that the Cubs need a left-handed specialist, Montgomery's been terrible against lefties. And Madden, guess what? He's been using Montgomery a lot against those lefties. What's going to happen to him if they go outside the organization and do get that left-handed reliever? 
that I think the discussion will be had. Should we keep Montgomery on this roster right now? But we're only, what are we now? We're seven weeks away from rosters being expanded. So there is a lot of time, a lot of discussion to be had. But I could see, if I had to bet on it, I think the Cubs will try to push these guys until the rosters expand in September. I don't know if I like that approach, but just given how the Cubs have operated this entire season and seasons past, they want to preserve pitching depth. And unfortunately, whether you like it or not, Montgomery is part of that discussion right now. I think if we, if they were going to make a change, it would have been done by now. Brock has been on the team way too long, in my opinion. Montgomery, his ERA, 5.67. Not good. Chatwood's walk rate is still better, but still a little bit too high, around five per, uh, batters per nine innings. If the changes were going to be made, or if the changes are going to be made, they would have been made by now, I think. We're at a point now where you got to push these guys, hopefully through September, get in reinforcements by the time September comes, and go about it that way. But I, I'd rather not see Montgomery get those chances. It's going to hurt the team in the bullpen, possibly because maybe that depth is not going to be as strong as it would be if, let's say, Alzola is up on the team. But this is how the Cubs have operated, Corey. They want to preserve that depth, and they're willing to eat innings in order to do that. Similarly, in in that position player episode where I kind of want to wrap up this discussion just by making sure we're highlighting uh, someone that has been really good. And obviously, I mentioned Brandon Kinzer, Kyle Ryan, guys who have kind of stepped up, or at least people maybe were not counting on to be as as good and productive as they have. But I, I do just want to pause and once again say Steve Ciszek is so good, man. Yeah. What a, like what a signing that was. And, and you knew that you were getting a good pitcher. But for him to throw as many innings as he has for this team over the last two years and just be so reliable and good and tough on these good hitters, it, it really is a pleasure to have him in this bullpen. Uh, he is just so good and and carries any any level of burden that the Cubs ask of him. Uh, you know, we have seen stretches where it literally feels like he pitches seven days a week. And he just comes through. And, you know, like everybody, he's he's got some some bad games. He's taken some losses here in the 2019 season. But that that's the nature of the job when you're a reliever. But uh, I, I do think it's just worth highlighting, like, man, has Steve Ciszek been such a welcome addition to the Chicago Cubs team and this bullpen uh, during his time here. But Brendan, before I, I turn it to you for the series preview with the the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, I, I do just you know, and if you have any final thoughts on this pitching staff, but I you know I think we're, we're we've been kind of clear with where we are. Um, we're we're getting ready for the second half here, so you're going to give your your first preview of a series here for the second half, and I think oh, that boy. it's uh, just about that time to. What do you think is going to happen here? What is your honest expectation as the Cubs take the field at Wrigley on Friday to begin uh, this this second half, head towards the trade deadline, etc.? Half a game in first place, very tight division. What do you think happens the rest of this season? Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot, and the the tone around this front office suggests some type of mix-up or some awareness, right? And that suggests they'll do something different than they've done in years past. What that means, whether that's transactionally, who who knows? My feeling around the team is I think what we have is enough. I think one through five, we've talked about this exhaustively, that's enough. And I think you go out there and you get another outfielder like Castellanos. If you get David Peralta and he's healthy, that adds a significant boost to this team. 
doesn't mean I still don't have concerns about what they're going to do in the long term. And, you know, the the whole discussion about runners in scoring position, that's still a concern for me. I don't think that gets fixed this year. That's more of a philosophical type thing. But again, I think this is enough to win the division. We've talked about it. You go into the playoffs. You have a very strong rotation at the current moment. You have a bullpen that's completely shored up, I think. And weird things happen in the playoffs. The Cubs are more than capable, Corey, of going through a five-game series, winning it with that rotation, going through a seven-game series against the Dodgers and winning that series too. They went, you know, in seven games with the Dodgers this year, they went to the brink. So it's possible the Cubs can still do this despite their issues, and other teams have issues as well. And that's where that's where my thoughts are. I I empathize with a lot of the fans and their frustrations, and I'm I'm sharing those frustrations too. But this team is still good. This team is still capable. They recognize they have not played up their capability, and I think with a few different additions outside the organization, it's a strong team. And the pitching staff being consistent was a big issue, I think, for even Pakota, which is why their projection was so low this year for the Cubs. That hasn't been an issue for the Cubs this year. So that is a source of confidence. And once the offense does get back on track, get a few guys in there from outside the organization, the team's looking good, Corey. So I'm I'm feeling good about this, but that could be because I haven't watched this team in five days now. <laughs> so that could be partially why. Yeah, check back with me on Friday afternoon. Um, yeah, exactly. No, but I, I you know, I, I think I'm in a similar place. And, and look, I, I think the... Being a, I, I you you see every end of the spectrum when you get into these conversations on social media or you know on, on the internet wherever, where if you point out the flaws of this team or or don't you know suggest that they're a well-oiled machine right now you you know you get con- I think accused of being doom and gloom or defeatist whatever and you know you have people throwing out the it's the best era of Cubs baseball in your lifetime just enjoy it and I I don't really think that's fair I, I think that we we just came off a season where they didn't win the division despite winning 95 games. They lost a a one-game wild card to the Rockies, and the language from the front office, Theo in particular, was very, very clear that that was not good enough and that it needed to get better, right? And that's not what has happened. So I think it's totally fair to just say that um, and, and point that out. And as you're hearing from the front office, the manager, the players, all of them don't think this is good enough. So I think that we can all say right. that. Uh, and, and that doesn't have to mean you don't believe in this team or think that they should be playing better, etc. I think it's just calling a spade a spade. And like, a lot of that is dictated by their own language and the expectations that they have set for themselves, not ones that are artificially imposed on them by fans. So I think it's fair to have those conversations. At the same time, I believe that this team, as is, is better than the way that they have played. I think them playing under 500 for an entire month is out of control. I, I can't believe that that happened, and I, I don't think it should have happened. I think they're better than that. And I think when you consider that they are likely going to make some moves, try to make some improvements here, maybe some some massive changes, who knows what Theo Epstein has up his sleeve— I believe this team wins the division. I, I believe that they get into the playoffs. And like you, I don't care like right now how many games better the Dodgers are, how many games better the Braves are. This group absolutely can win a playoff series against any team. I I, I just don't agree 
with people that don't believe that. And I, and I, you know, maybe we just don't see eye to eye on that. But like you said, Brennan, like they played seven games with the Dodgers this year. The Cubs won three of them, right? So you, you're looking at what would have been a game seven, if you will, uh, for that series. And I, you know, and, and a lot of those games were close and winnable games. And I think the whole story of this first half is that the Cubs just need to clean up some of the simple stuff that they haven't been executing and play better. And I I know that sometimes that's not the easiest thing to ask, uh, but I I think the talent is there. And and I think the talent not being there is a bigger problem than uh, a talented team not necessarily playing up to the level that they can. Little did I know when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's, it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Little did I know when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's, it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Okay, so let's preview this upcoming series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So the Cubs will face Pittsburgh at Wrigley Field for a three-game set, the first of which starts on Friday at 1.20 p.m. Central Time. Former Cub Chris Archer on the mound, who's 3-6 and six with a 5.49 ERA, will be facing Yu Darvish to start off the second half, who's 2-4 and four with a 5.01 ERA. On Saturday, another 1.20 p.m. Central Start Time, Jordan Lyles for Pittsburgh, 5-5 five and five with a 4.36 ERA. Your boy, John Lester on the mound for the Cubs, 8-6 and six with a 3.72 ERA. To finish off this three-game set on Sunday, you have Trevor Williams on the mound for Pittsburgh, who is 3-2 with a 4.54 ERA. Jose Quintana gets a start for the Cubs, 6-7 with a 4.19 ERA. There's still time to get tickets to the series, of course, through SeatGeek. We all know baseball season is well underway, and there is no better place to get your tickets than on SeatGeek. Why? SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Ticket prices right now are incredibly affordable. So if you want to go and root on the Cubs during this uh, upcoming stretch of the second half, now's the time to do it. Best of all, our listeners, you guys get $10 off your first purchase. All you got to do is just download the Seeky app and enter promo code CUBSRELATED today. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. Seeky, life's an event. We have the tickets. So, Corey, I got to say, starting you, Darvish, for your uh, first start of the second half may not be the best approach mentally for us fans, but... On the other hand, if you Darvish can go out there and shove in his first start back during his second half, that would set quite the tone for the remainder of this half. 
Yeah, no doubt. It, it's, yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of those, it's a risky play in a sense, right? Because I, I think you would have a, a pretty audible groan from all of Cubdom across the world if the second half of, of this season starts with, you know, some walks and a, and a cheap home run or something like that. I think it would just be uh, quite the way to start the second half. But you're right. If if you get a big performance out of Darvish, that's the opposite end of the spectrum where, right. you know, I think then you'd have everybody feeling like, here go. we go, right? Darvish started us yep. off. Now we're going to get these other guys going. It's, it's time to take care of business. And here we go. So, Hopefully it's the latter, right? Uh, but I, I think the interesting thing in this series is I would really strongly su- suggest to uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates that they do not come inside on these Cubs hitters, and Jordan Lyles in particular. Uh, Joe Madden was really clear that they are done putting up with that. I don't expect the Cubs to be throwing at anybody, uh, but if one of these guys get buzzed, it's going to go down. Let's go. So you yeah. should be ready for that. If you're going to these games, if you're watching on TV, like if the Pirates try to play games here, the Cubs have made it very clear that they are done with them. So And I support it. Look, if someone charges the mound after getting hit again, I'm, I, I support it. Yeah, you already it. had a guy it. get hit in the head by this team. Yeah. Look, early. I don't care what the suspension is. I know that's meatball or whatever, but enough is enough with these inside pitches, with you guys getting hit nonstop. Charge the mound. You get thrown inside again if it's if it's intentional. I'm done with it. I fully support that court. Yeah, I think you guys know Brendan and I in particular are not big on throwing it, guys. So I think if there's a way to solve the issue or get your point across that isn't that, I'm I'm usually for that. Uh, I think you know charging the mound. Everybody's on an even playing field, right? Nobody's <laughs> nobody's throwing projectiles at anybody in that scenario. Uh, or you could take the Joe Madden approach and just head on over to their dugout and and uh, you know let them know what what you have to say face to face. That's one way to do I it too. It. So. I, I I think there's the potential for fireworks, uh, but yeah, I, I think the Cubs are totally justified. Again, I, I, I don't love throwing at people. I just don't, I, I don't think that a pitcher standing on the mound hurling a ball at someone is the way to solve these issues. Like, let's go mano y mano, uh, right? If it were up to me, we'd toss a ring in center field and, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd get this stuff. Yeah, you're all, you're all for that. We'd get yeah. this stuff underway, uh, you know, like the big boys, but uh, I, I think that you know, the, the Cubs are done putting up with it, is the moral of the story. They, they've had a couple guys hit in the head over the last couple of years. The Pirates always buzzing inside. It's happened way too frequently over the last few years. Had a lot of guys hit. Uh, if you look at the leaderboard over the last few years of teams in terms of hitting opposing batters, the Pirates have a long distance between them and even the number two team. So it's it's something that they do and something that, again, the Cubs have made clear they are not here for anymore. They are not going to let them keep getting away with it. So maybe some fireworks here. But I, I am certainly all in favor of the fireworks just coming from the Cubs' bat and winning the series here getting things started on a good note. And I, I think that's, you know, what we're all looking for. It, it was a, a weird first half for this team. Uh, you know, again, kind of not feeling great about the way they played, especially over the last like month and a half there. But they're in first place. The division is on a silver platter. You don't have Milwaukee 
doing what they were doing last year where, you know, Yelich was hitting a game-winning homer half the time and Hayter was able to come in every time they had a one-run lead and pitch three scoreless innings. They're not doing that same thing. The Cardinals have been woefully underperforming the whole year. Uh, you know, people were maybe optimistic that the Reds could be better this year. And, you know, they, they have been in some senses, but the division is right there. Nobody's taking it from you. Nobody has run away with it. Nobody is putting up a performance where you just have to go, wow, like I, there's not much we can do about that. Kind of similar to the Brewers in September, right? The Cubs have a good end of the season, but the Brewers are out of their mind, right? You don't have that happening right now. So, Let's start things off. A good series against the Pirates. You didn't play well in Pittsburgh. Let's flip the script, and it's a new season. We don't have to go back and look at that first half ever again, really. We can just start anew. The division is right there. You're in first place. Let's start building that distance right now and just put this all behind us in in the second half here. And that, I think, is all we have for you. So uh, we, of course, will be back on our regular programming schedule come uh, Sunday evening. You'll hear us on Monday morning after the Cubs finish things up with the Pirates here. And we hope you guys enjoyed this week of content. Um, You know, we, we just wanted to put out as much as we could. You know, we feel the the absence of the Cubs uh, just like everybody else. Of course we do. So, uh, you know, we figured we would get on here and, and talk about what's going on, talk about the first half, second half, spend a little time with uh, Brian Smith again talking about the minor league system, and we hope you guys enjoyed it. We hope that, you know, it was able to kind of pass the time a little easier uh, over this week while the Cubs were not playing baseball. But that is officially the end of the Cubs-related podcast All-Star Week special series or whatever we're we're calling it. Brendan and I didn't coin a, a special name for it, but you can call it whatever you want. Uh, hopefully you called it a few extra episodes of good content that you enjoyed. And we'll we'll look to uh, you know maybe do some more special editions as the year goes on here and and the season goes on uh, depending on what arises with this team in the second half. But we're looking forward to it as always. We appreciate you guys being with us and and listening for the first half of this season. Uh, you know, Brendan and I have been doing this podcast for a little while now, so uh, we're we're very appreciative of all the five star reviews that we see come in, all of the interaction with you guys on on social media, and uh, as always, we appreciate your listenership. So we're we're hoping for a big second half here. Uh, the most fun episodes that Brendan and I do are when we get to preview the Chicago Cubs playing in the playoffs, uh, and as we've done once before, previewing them playing in the World Series. So I, I certainly hope that the baseball, you know, in-play versions of this podcast continue all the way until about the end of October, beginning of November. Uh, I would love to be talking about the Cubs playing baseball until then with you guys and with Brendan. So hopefully that is what the second half has in store for us. Uh, But whatever it has in store for us, we will be with you twice a week to break it all down. So we thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Cubs. In a recent episode of the Paychecks Business Series with Gene Marks Coronavirus Podcast, Gene Marks talks with Jim Gaffigan about playing the long game on YouTube and how he's using that and other social media platforms to reach like-minded people. 
build a community, and establish relationships during the coronavirus pandemic. Listen to this and other episodes to hear how small business owners and other industry experts are dealing with today's top issues surrounding COVID-19. Visit paychecks.com slash business series today to listen and subscribe. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your dentist to actually believe you? And you're flossing every day. Absolutely. Great. Um, And you're cutting down on your sweets? Of course. (laughs) Wonderful. Then I don't even need to look in there. Great. See you in six months. There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details. Little did I know when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician. I can be referred to the lab. I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's, it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.